Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Listen again for the very first time. Welcome to Growing in Grace. Mike Kapler here with Joel Brzezinski. Ready to roll, Mr. Joel? Ready to roll. Rolling away the stone <laughs> for the resurrected well, we life of Jesus. We don't have to do that again either, brother. Exactly. But so many people do, Cap. So many people do. They act like we have to do it all over again because uh, we go, we put ourselves under the under the law, we put ourselves under the old covenant, and it's as if Jesus never rose from the dead. It's as if he never died and on the cross and shed his blood for our sins and rose again from the dead. It's as if we have to go through that process over and over again, but it was only once. You know, the, the Christ died once for sin, and uh, we live in the newness of that life that he provided for us. Paul used the word dung, as far as uh, his understanding of the fact that he once had been under the law, he once considered that this is this is it. This is what life is about, keeping the law. And he said he had to count that as dung so that he could have Christ. And so we need to count all of this Old Covenant stuff, remembering that it had a purpose. But as far as it being a factor in our lives, it's meant to be dung so that we can have life, so that we can have the life of Christ. Yes, and remember, dung is past tense of ding. We are now living in ding. <laughs> dung was the old covenant. Ding, dang, dung. <laughs> the witch is gone. The do, 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 the do, 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 do. Ding, dang. Well, anyway, <laughs> we <laughs> I love this series, Cap. I love what we've been doing. Five programs already. This is number six, talking about the differences between the old covenant and the new covenant. Uh, some serious stuff. But hopefully some very enlightening stuff for listeners, because I think that, as, as we've mentioned several times throughout the series, there are people who, who uh, will take parts of the Old Covenant and try to mix it into the New Covenant, and it doesn't—it really, it doesn't make any sense. Because if, if you're a person who reads Paul's epistles, and he's talking about how we've been made alive together with Christ, and how we've died to the law— and then you go back and read some of the Old Covenant stuff about trying to keep the law. I think some people, it doesn't make any sense, but they kind of block it out that, that it doesn't make any sense. And they try to make it make sense, and they can't. And one more thing, Cap, that people try to make sense that we want to get into this week is uh, the words of Jesus. Making sense of the, the red letters, the red letter gospel. You know, when you have a Bible that's called a red-letter edition, the red letters are the words that Jesus spoke, and people are trying to live by those red letters, and we have a few thoughts on that this week as we uh, talk more about the differences between the Old and New Covenants. Yeah, I think it's important for us to, uh, as we talk about dividing up the covenants here and making sure we know the differences between them, as we've done in, in recent weeks, I don't think we can avoid this one. And it really, years ago when I discovered this, it really made a big difference in my life when it came to approaching the gospel, the good news, and understanding it. And that is that the New Testament isn't necessarily the New Covenant. Now, in some Bibles, perhaps especially some of the older King James Bibles, it might say something at the beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, something like, uh, the will and testament according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, or something like that. One thing to keep in mind is that Jesus 
was a prophet under the old covenant. The new covenant had not started yet, and that messes people up a little bit because the way our, our written Bible is divided up here with the Old Testament and the New Testament, but not quite understanding the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. I'm looking in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16, Joel, for where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. So for the will of God to occur, which was getting rid of the old covenant, replacing it with a new, better, and everlasting covenant, Jesus needed to die. So the new covenant, when did it begin? It wasn't at, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 1 in, in the New Testament. It was after Jesus died, either at his death or sometime shortly after, if you want to say it was when he put the blood on the altar after he rose again. But the point is that the, the writer in Hebrews is saying the testament, the covenant, cannot be in place until the testator dies, which is talking about Jesus, of course. So the red letters that we're talking about, in many cases, not necessarily all cases, but many times when Jesus spoke, he was speaking to people under that covenant, the old one. And he was relating to them through that covenant. And what was the, what was the law, what was the old covenant meant to do? It was meant to bring people to the end of, end of themselves and to point them to Christ. All those copies and shadows we've been talking about were just um, pointing us to Christ. And that's what the law does. And Jesus used it in a very powerful sort of way to relate to people one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Or, or in crowds sometimes. Right. And, you know, think about it this way. Galatians 4, 4 says that, you know, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And so, as you picture the life of Jesus, he was born under the law. Um, he was born of a woman, born under the law, and his purpose was to redeem those who were under the law. And of course, as we know, he also came to redeem those who were not under the law, but that's not the particular point Paul's making at that particular point in, the, in his epistle. But Jesus Christ walked on this earth as a Jew who was under the law, and... A lot of what he did was he ministered the true purpose of the law. And the one thing that revolutionized my life, Cap, in addition to what we're all talking about here, or in regards to what we're all talking about here, is when I read uh, Romans 3.19, and Paul says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. So going along with what you were saying there, uh, the purpose of the law was to stop mouths, and it was to make the world guilty before God. There was a purpose, there was a reason that the law was given. And Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, it's part of what his ministry was, was to fulfill the purpose of the law. Again, whatever the law says, it says, so that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. And so as we read the red letters of the Bible, a lot of times what Jesus said, a lot of times the people he was talking with, Jesus wasn't talking with, quote, Christians, because <laughs> there was no such thing as a Christian at that time yet. He hadn't died. The will had not uh, taken place yet. The testator had not died, and so there was not a New Testament. There was not a new covenant yet. And so the things that Jesus said, he said, was to stop people's mouths. That blew my mind when I uh, put those two things together, Cap. I think 
this could be revolutionary for some people, that not everything Jesus said was for you and me. And I know, I don't, don't turn the program off yet. <laughs> I know that's mind-boggling. That doesn't mean there isn't something to learn from it, but Jesus may have, at least on occasion, been talking about the law to people who were still under it in an effort to try and bring them to himself, really. Because remember what we read last week, I think it was last week in Hebrews 10, the law was a shadow of the good things to come. It was just a shadow, it was a copy. It wasn't quite the the, the real thing. It wasn't the, the new covenant substantiated to where we have it today. So, yeah, there's time after time, and I know we've covered this before in many past podcasts over the years regarding uh, some of the things that, that Jesus said. I think the point is, just because it's red letter doesn't necessarily mean it's the good news. Right, and one of the examples we've brought up many times here in the past on our program is the Lord's Prayer. So many churches, and I've, I've been to them, and I sometimes when I'm out on the road on a Sunday morning for my job, I'll uh, listen to uh, various church services that are aired on the radio, and so many of them, they recite the Lord's Prayer, or what we know as the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, and so on and so forth, and that is one example of something that was actually, and this I know that this isn't received well by some people, but it was actually an old covenant prayer. At the end of there, Jesus says, "If you do not forgive, if you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father won't forgive you." And we see the difference between that, which was the old covenant, if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you, and the new covenant, which is forgive others because God in Christ has already forgiven you. And so there are so many things, so many contrasts we can make. So if you're reading some words that Paul writes that are, you get it, it's grace, it's new covenant, and you understand it, and then you go on back and you read some things that Jesus said, and you're like, but yet Jesus is making this out to be works, and, and uh, if I don't do what's right, I feel that from what Jesus says, I'm condemned. I feel guilty. I feel like I just can't do this. Try reading the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, in its entirety, uh, and, and see if you think you live up to that. And, and you could be really, really, really confused. But if you keep in mind that Jesus was ministering the law to those who were under the law for the very purpose of stopping their mouths and showing them, putting a flashlight on it, a term that you, you, you've you used, Cap, putting a flashlight on the law, showing how nobody can keep it, then we might begin to understand why Jesus said those things. It was all Old Covenant yet. Indeed, even even when uh, you were talking about the Lord's Prayer, as in, it's not a New Covenant prayer, but just to add another point to that, where Jesus said, deliver us from the evil one or deliver us from evil, we should be praying that? No, because the new covenant reveals that we have been delivered, uh, that Jesus delivered us from the powers of darkness, from evil. But going back even before the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of, of Matthew, I was just thumbing through here. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He said that. And, and I believe it's, uh, he's quoting uh, an, an Old Testament passage when he, when he was saying that. But later on, remember when Jesus said, He who comes to me shall never hunger nor thirst again. But I see in, in much of Christianity today, many people, <laughs> many people saying they're just so hungry, just so thirsty. And, and a lot of times, Joel, it's for righteousness. They want to know, they don't feel like they know, that they are righteous, that they're right with God. Um, but that's why Jesus came, to reveal righteousness. That's the good news of the gospel. 
And that good news, of course, is it's his righteousness in us that makes us that way, not based on our own efforts anymore like the old covenant would have been. That's right, and that's why it's so important, why uh, we believe this series that we've been doing here has been so important uh, to divide the two covenants, to understand that there is a division. They're different. They're not the same. They're not meant to be the same. You know, the new covenant is not a continuation of the old covenant. They don't mix together. The Old Covenant had a purpose. It had a reason. It was meant to stop mouth. It was meant to show people their guilt. The New Covenant is what was the reason Christ died for the sins of the world, so that we could be under this New Covenant, this New Covenant in which people have the opportunity to be made alive together with Christ, to have their sins completely taken away, to be justified, to be made righteous, to be made holy, to be sanctified, something that the law could never do, that could never happened under the old covenant all of it has been accomplished through christ and christ alone well you know some people say talking about all this old covenant stuff and all the law and everything like that jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it and then later on in the book of hebrews it says that the old covenant has been abolished (laughs) that's confusing for some people and so as we continue on getting near to the end of our covenant confusion series we'll talk about that next week right here on growing in grace at growingingrace.org this has been growing in grace with mike kapler and joel brzezinski heard online through various internet sources around the world each week to access hundreds of past programs visit graceroots.org share it with a friend and listen again next week for more growing in grace